the Social Work Journal podcast is a place of healing that normalizes everyday experiences through the exploration of evidence-based practice, theory, peer-reviewed journals, literature, articles, research, and a little pop culture. For further context, throughout each episode, I will also share my own personal experiences. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Social Work Journal podcast. My name is Del Tom. I'll be your host today, as always. And today we are going to talk about focusing. So what does it mean to focus? All focus is, is is the center of interest or activity. And it means to pay particular interest to something. So having the ability to focus is crucial to achieving your goals, but we're going to get into why. So the first article that comes to mind when I think about focusing and why it's important to focus, there's this article called Focus is the Gateway to Business Success. And it was written by Dr. Jim Taylor. And he says that focusing is the gateway to all thinking in terms of perception, memory, learning, reasoning, problem solving, and decision making. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, it's because we talk about cognition a lot on this show. And a part of cognition that he's specifically referring to in this is executive functioning. So I'm going to post the executive functioning wheel on my blog. As always, I always post my resources, but I want to go over the executive functioning wheel with you. So these are the components. First, there's flexible thinking. And I want us to keep that in mind because with flexible thinking, that is the ability to adjust your behavior to unexpected changes. That's very important. And we're going to talk about this later on in the podcast. But there's also working memory. There's self-monitoring, which is also important to achieving your goals, planning and prioritization. We're going to get into this later. Timekeeping, impulse control, attention and focus. The name of the podcast today, this episode is focus. So a big part of being able to accomplish your goals is being able to maintain focus. So we will continue to talk about attention and focus. There's also organization, keeping track of things physically and mentally, task initiation, very important, and emotional control. So the thing is with focus, it's important if you want to achieve your goals to focus on the right things and not be distracted. So when we think of focus, we think it basically means in our minds, from what we've been conditioned to believe, avoiding distractions. But there's so many distractions. So how do we avoid distractions? Well, in this article, one of the things that they mention is decluttering your mind. And they say you want to basically alleviate your mind of anything that doesn't relate to whatever it is that you're working on, even if it's something of high priorities, such as like family stuff. Of course, that's easier said than done. But the less clutter you have in the, in your mind, the better you'll be able to focus. Now, I know for myself, something that helps my focus, and you hear me talk about this when we had our episode Believe and Goals. I may have gotten into this. If you haven't checked out episode one and two or season two, go ahead, Believe was episode one and goals was episode two. But exercise really helped me focus because I feel like if there's a lot of energy going on or if I'm stressed out, I can't focus as well. But if I exercise, that tends to bring the stress level down. That tends to 
help me get whatever energy I have building up out. And then once I've kind of recovered from my exercise, I'm like on this even chill and I'm like super focused. I'm very mindful. But another thing people use is meditation. And that's something that I use as well, too. I use a transcendentic meditation, I believe, TM. I can't, transcendental meditation. I can't think of the name right now. But if you want to look into TM, I think it's highly effective and it it has been life-changing for me. I know a lot of people speak out about TM and I love it because it's an easy meditation. But meditation, exercise, eating well, sleep, these are all things that will help you declutter your mind. So you want to check them out on your own time, go ahead. Now, let's get back to these distractions. So we live in an era where we are so susceptible to notifications. Think about all the notifications that you receive on your phone and even on your computer, whether it's your personal computer or your work computer. I mean, even loading my computer today, I haven't turned on my personal computer in maybe a day or two. And I spent five minutes just getting rid of notifications. They just kept popping up. And I was like, before I even start getting my work done and start hooking up my equipment for this podcast, I just wanted to get rid of those notifications because I didn't want them popping up once I began working. So those are distractions. But I mean, think about emails, even at work. You know, sometimes you could be working on some kind of important report or whatever it is that you do that requires your attention and focus. And then you start getting these um, invites for meetings and they're just popping up left and right because whoever organizes them, they're probably focusing and organizing all of them at once. And then you're getting all these pop-ups and you're like, oh, let me accept this meeting and that meeting. And then you're like, hey, I just spent 10 or 15 minutes accepting invites and I was working on something that's of high importance and urgency. You know, I even get a lot of notifications from my daughter's school, because throughout the day, there's an app that we use. We use the Brightwell app and the app that we use, they give you, you know, notifications throughout the day, what activities they worked on, the sleeping and eating habits. And they also give you notifications on the activities that they've done. They send pictures, which is all great because I get to keep up with my daughter's day while I'm at work. So I don't have that mom guilt, or at least it lowers the mom guilt. But sometimes I have to kind of say, okay, I'm going to look at this real quick because I definitely cannot wait, especially if there's a notification for a new photo. I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to see my daughter with her friends. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a quick look and then I'm going to get back to what I was doing. Sometimes I'll wait because I know certain times during the day, there'll be a few notifications that will string up all at once, maybe four or five in one setting. So I'll just wait till all the notifications come through and I'll finish working on what I'm working on. And then I'll look through all the notifications from my door to school. So that's one way that I deal with that distraction. It's a healthy distraction, but I want to deal with it in an even more healthier way so that I can focus on what it is that I'm doing. But you know what? Also, when we think about notifications, I'm just thinking back to once I was reading a book, because I love ebooks. I don't know if any of you guys like ebooks. I love ebooks. I use my Kindle on my phone to read all my books. So I was reading a book and I received a notification. I was a little bit over half of the book and I received a notification about a recommendation for another book. And I'm thinking to myself, can I get through this book before you recommend another book? It's like that breaks away your attention from your focus. So that's something that I think of as well. 
I just think even when I think of ads, you know, if you look at your social media, I know on Facebook and even Instagram is getting better at this. They will strategically place ads in my social media feed. And sometimes I end up going down a rabbit hole. I might go on my social media to just say, hey, I wonder what my friends are doing, like on Facebook, especially. I know if I haven't really looked through my feed in a while, I'll go on there and I'll specifically set out a time block to go on Facebook and just go through my feed and see what my friends have been up to and like and comment on their posts. And then that's it, because I don't like to be distracted by social media. But then you get those ads. (laughs) And sometimes I get an ad for like some clothing site. And then I click on that. And then they're like, oh, if you want to see more, you got to download the app. Then you download the app and then you're just swiping through the clothes and stuff like that. And before you know it, you're like, whoa, I came on social media specifically to catch up with my friends. How did I end up on Amazon or how did I end up downloading this app? But the algorithm, they know your interests and they're really good at distracting you and taking your attention and focus away from what it is that you were setting out to do. So think about that. So one more thing that comes to mind, and actually I want to get into the theory first, and then I'll talk about this thing that came to mind. So there's this theory called commodity theory, and it was introduced by Russian theorist Yevgeny Pashukinis. So according to this Russian theorist, he says that With commodity theory, basically the value of a product, a service is related to its availability. So the way that these advertisers or these businesses grab our attention is they try to get you to see whatever it is that they're advertising as something that's rare. And that's why sales work, because who doesn't like a good sale and a discount? So if you get this pop up for this ad and you see those ads, you know, strategically placed on your website, or you see those ads on your social media, and it says, uh, sale now, 20% off, you're like thinking, oh, let me see what this is about. I mean, this is a nice product. It's 20% off. And usually they'll present it in a way where you feel like this is something that you need, right? They're going to advertise to you your interest, and they're going to advertise things to you in a way so that you feel like you need them. So this kind of goes along with that commodity theory. If you feel like it's something that's rare, it's going to be high in value to you. And you're going to drive your attention to that product, to that thing, rather than focusing on the thing that you were putting your attention to in the beginning. So that just reminds me of us just being in this high consumer society. I mean, we live in a society of mass consumption, let's face it, and Because there's just so much out there, you're just going from one thing to the next to the next. And I just remember one day I'm driving in the car with my daughter. She doesn't do this anymore, by the way. I I have conditioned her out of this, but she would request a song. So I said, sure, I'm going to play that song. And I would play the song that she requested. But then a little bit over halfway through the song, my daughter request another song because she knew that that song was coming to an end. And I told her, I said, hey, now we are going to complete this song before we switch to another song. Okay. We're not switching from song to song to song, but there's so many options. There's so much available. I mean, I literally have like, mm, I want to say I have about seven albums worth of songs from different 
I guess you could say artists, I mean, really their businesses, because one of them is like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse album, and it has like 22 songs on there. And then I have like two albums from Simple Songs, and then I have like some songs from Frozen. I mean, I have a lot of different things. I have the Christmas album, the Christmas Baby Shark album from Pink Fong. That has quite a few songs on there. So she has all this availability to this entertainment. So, you know, she wants to keep being entertained. But because we don't understand, hey, with this mass consumption, it's a huge distraction. We find ourselves switching from one thing to the next to the next. And you got to ask yourself, what are you really getting out of that? So now that I'm off of that soapbox, I want to talk about urgency bias. And there is an article called Urgency Bias is Killing Your Productivity, and it's on the Quartz at Work website. Of course, you know, I'm going to post all this stuff to my blog, so you'll be able to check it out yourself. So they did a study, or actually they talked about a study that was performed. And in the study, they found that participants were selecting tasks that had a lower reward but could be accomplished over a shorter period of time or a shorter duration. More people were selecting these short tasks than they were selecting tasks that took a longer duration of time to complete, but the reward was higher. So when you think about that, doesn't that relate a lot to goals? Because if you're a person who likes to make to-do lists, And I'm not against to-do lists by any means, but I remember having coworkers who were so organized. And remember, we talked about organization and that executive functioning wheel. Well, they were so quote unquote organized. They would write these long to-do lists and they would have to have everything strategically placed on their table before they could begin work. And what they didn't realize they were doing was they would end up just checking off a lot of boxes, right? But most of the stuff that they were checking off were things that you could complete easily. And you probably don't really need to put them in a list. So I don't know, clear out my emails, clear out my filing cabinet, organize my filing cabinet and alphabetize something. You know, those were the things that they were checking off. But when it came to complete this report that I need to complete in order to, so that my client can continue to be eligible for whatever services they have or continue to receive funding for their services. Those were the things that just kept getting pushed off to the side and added to the next day's to-do list and the next day's to-do list. So it's important when you want to achieve a greater focus because you want to start actualizing your success and your goals. Make a shorter to-do list. When I make a to-do list, I make a to-do list of about four things. And I tend to have just four very important things for that day. And these are things that are not easily accomplished. They're not, you know, easy checklist tasks. These are things that are like, this is my goal for the day. And I'm going to write them in order of priority. Now, I may not think of them in the order of priority, but I go back and I number them, even if the numbers are out of order. And I say, this is the number one priority has to get done first. Number two, number three, number four. And I tend to select things for this list to be longer tasks. And then I think about what steps I need to take in order for those tasks to be complete. 
And I may not write those little steps down underneath, but I think about them mentally. And earlier we talked about that. You want to have that mental checklist. That's a great part of executive functioning. So the reason why in this article they believe that urgency bias is killing us is because people get more rewards for doing shorter tasks because it's a dopamine release. When you knock something off of your email list or your checklist, you feel like, oh, wow, I got something done. But if you think about it, all those little tasks, did you really get the most important things out of your day done? Just keep that in mind for those who love to make checklists. Now, when you have this urgency bias, it's not healthy. Believe it or not, it can sometimes create high stress. And before you know it, you'll have lower energy. You'll have higher craving. So you're probably eating some things you shouldn't be eating. You'll feel fatigued. You'll be irritable, anxious. And then what does it hit the most? Your concentration. And your concentration is your ability to focus. So keep that in mind when you see everything is urgent, urgent, urgent. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And let me do this long to-do list and check, 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 check. These things are actually stressing you out. And ultimately, you're going to end up with low energy and burnout from just trying to do this long checklist versus just finding four things. Maybe your checklist is longer than mine. Maybe you can do five things. Maybe your checklist is shorter than mine. Maybe your checklist is just three things, but fine. Just a handful of less of important things to do for the day that take longer periods of time to complete because they're more like projects and it's more about a process of completing this overall picture of things that, of something that you want to accomplish, that ultimate goal. So think of that checklist. These are the priorities of today. Remember, less than a handful, and it's working me to that overall arching goal, of whatever level of success that I'm trying to reach. Now, let's move on, okay, to flexible thinking. So this flexible thinking, I think is important to go over because it reminds me of the urgency bias and it reminds me of how you can stress yourself out about things that aren't important. So I'm going to give you an example of flexible thinking. So I'm a person, I really pride myself on being decisive. And in addition to my podcast, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out my website, thesocialworkjournal.com, but I recently started a business there. Um, I sell planners and The reason why I sell these planners is because I believe that writing down your goals really helps you have a clear orientation of where you're going, some areas of deficiency that you need to work on, some obstacles that you need to work around so that you can achieve your goals. And I use that planner actively and retroactively. So sometimes I might be planning in my mind, I might just get things done because I'm a doer, but then I'll go back. And I'll use my planner as a journal to sort of track my progress. And that's how I know, okay, I'm moving forward with making sure that I am focusing on the right things. But I digress. Head over to the socialworkjournal.com. There is a section on the website called SWJ Store, and that's where you can buy the planner. I highly suggest you check it out. It's been life-changing for me. But anyhow, so in addition to my podcast and my business on the website. I have another business that I started up 
in late 2021. And it's actually a children's clothing line. I'm working on children's athleisure. Well, I'm in the pre-production stage and I was picking out colors, you know, because you have to decide what colorways you want for the different styles of clothing that you have. And your styles are like, you know, pants or a skirt or a shirt or, you know, a long sleeve shirt or whatever it is that you're selling. Well, you have to pick out the colorways for them. For me, that's a really big part of my brand color. In case you haven't seen the color and the logos of the Social Work Journal, I am a very colorful, bright person in everything that I do business-wise, creatively. It represents those bold, bright, attractive colors. So color is very important. Well, I just couldn't decide on my colorways. I was just trying to put things together. And I was like, oh my goodness, at first I thought I had it all down, but then I ended up scrapping some ideas and I kept trying to think about these colorways. And at some point I had to say, you know what, this is actually not me focusing on what's important. This is a distraction. And so I just had to say, you know what, I'm not sure where I'm going as far as my colorways. I'm going to put that to the side. I'm going to redirect my attention to something that's more important and focus. And then, you know what, that should provide me some clarity, that space and that time, and I can get back to the colorways. And that's a prime example of flexible thinking and planning and organizing, because you have to know what's important. And once you figure out what's important and what's most urgent, looking at that overall arching goal, then you shift your thinking, you start being more flexible and you say, hey, Whatever it was that I thought was so important at the time, I realized that it's not. And you shift your attention and you focus on really what's at hand so that your goal is always in mind and you're always staying clear about it. Now, I want to get into how we focus because how we focus varies. And it's important to know that, hey, what works for you may not work for everyone else and to run with what works for you. So I found this quiz and it's called Extrovert introvert and ambivert. Okay. And I'll post it on my blog. I think everyone should go out and take this quiz. And the reason why is, is because depending on if you're an extrovert, an introvert or ambivert, that will tell you like what kind of environment works best for you to help you focus. Now I know introverts, they need like a very quiet space. Typically my husband is like that when he needs to focus on something. He likes to go off in a room where he can be alone and it's quiet and he can just focus, right? Me, I'm not always that way. When I was in grad school, literally, I would have the TV on. I would have music playing while I was writing my paper because having that sound, that noise, it actually helped me focus. And then what I would do is I would like super hyper focus, if you would, on writing my paper for like blocks of time. So I knew that I could just key in and focus for writing for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then after that, I had to get up and do something else. So it's like, I would be super focused. I have this noise going on the TV, the music or whatever. And I write for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then I would get up and I would cook or maybe I clean because sometimes cleaning helps me gain clarity And I'll be thinking about what I'm going to put in my paper or, oh, what was that research topic that I found? Or what was that article found that I found that I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, this is where I can place it in the paper. So even though it seems like I'm not really working on the paper, 
or, you know, my report. I actually was while I was cleaning. So, and then I would get back to it and I would work for that block, that chunk of time. And then I get up and do something else. And that was my way of sort of recharging. So they may say that um, I kind of focus like an extrovert, but there are times where complete silence works for me too. You know, at work, sometimes if I'm in the office and I'm alone, I can just sit there and just type out some kind of report that I need to continue funding for my client services or something. And I'm totally fine just being that office alone and it being super quiet. And sometimes I like that too, because if no one else is in the office, then I can read back the report that I wrote out loud to myself. And that's how I proofread it. So when I took the quiz, it's of no surprise, I came out as an ambivert. But I highly suggest you go on my blog, check out the quiz, and then, hey, write me at the socialworkjournal at gmail.com and tell me how your results turned out. So in case you're wondering what an ambivert is, I'm also going to post this article. It was from Forbes and it's called Nine Signs That You're Ambivert. And I like the article because I think most people think of personalities as either black and white, either you're extrovert or introvert, but it's amazing how many people will read this article and find that they actually flow into the category of being an ambivert. So there's this other website and it's called ADD Etude Magazine. And I read this article and it talks about ADHD and how people with ADHD tend to hyperfocus. Now, what's so interesting about that is when we think of ADHD, we don't think of hyper-focusing. We think of, oh, this is a person who cannot attend. But according to this article, in actuality, people with ADHD tend to hyper-focus on things that are, are of interest to them. So they say in the article, like distractibility, hyper-focus is thought to resort from abnormally low levels of dopamine. And we know that dopamine, it travels through the frontal lobes of the brain. So with that low level of dopamine, it makes it hard for you to shift gears. So that's that part of executive functioning. When we talk about flexible thinking, it makes it hard for you to shift gears and take up boring but unnecessary tasks. So they say children and adults with ADHD have difficulty shifting attention from one thing to another. And actually they quoted Dr. Russell Barkley for mentioning this. And he also says that if they're doing something they enjoy or find psychologically rewarding, they'll tend to persist in this behavior after others would normally move on to other things. So ADHD in actuality can actually mean that you're not just focusing or you're not having a difficulty with focusing, but it could mean that Your difficulty with focusing is that you hyper-focus on something that's not really that important, but for whatever reason, it's rewarding to you. So um, some examples they give in the article is like children hyper-focusing on video games, children with ADHD, that is hyper-focusing on video games because it's something that's interesting to them. But if you say, sit down and I want you to complete this math sheet, all of a sudden they can't focus because it's not of interest. So in order to get them to focus and use that ability for them to hyper-focus on something, you have to find a way to make that activity interesting or rewarding to them. Maybe if they get good at math, they're like, oh yeah, I'll hyper-focus on this math sheet. 
So I think it's interesting that you can use hyper focus and that, you know, initially is something that's non-functioning and turning into something functioning by just figuring out how to make that activity interesting. Now, the example that they gave of an adult with ADHD was they were talking about this woman who was working on a project for her job. And she was so focused on working on this project that she hadn't noticed that her house caught on fire until the firemen came through her house searching to see if anyone was left in the house. And then she looks around and realized what was going on. So she was so hyper-focused, she didn't even notice that there was an emergency going on in her household. And I know sometimes I can hyper-focus on some things, but what I've learned is that it's okay to want to achieve something and want to feel this sense of accomplishment because I like to get things done. I pride myself on getting things done. But whatever it is I need to do at that moment, if it's more important, I say, you know what, I'm just going to drop this and move on to something else. Which brings me to my last story I want to share with you all before we conclude this podcast. So my daughter, she's pretty much potty trained now, but I started potty training her around the end of December. And when you first start potty training a kid, you know, you have to really pay attention to them because basically you just remove the diaper. They don't, they just don't use diapers one day, all of a sudden. So they haven't really learned, okay, now that I'm not using this diaper, that means I need to toilet in the toilet. (laughs) So, you know, I was trying to send this email and it was a really important email that I needed to send. And it was business related. It was related to my clothing line. And I was trying to hyper focus on this email, but I kept looking at my daughter and I was noticing, okay, she's kind of hunched over. I bet you she has to go to the bathroom. So I had to stop what I was doing and place my daughter on her toilet so that she could go because I didn't want her to have an accident. And I also wanted her to learn the correct behavior. So in behavior and applied behavior analysis, I should say, when I worked as a behavior therapist, we always wanted to correct a behavior that needed to be corrected right away so that the kid learns the correct behavior and then we can fade the level of prompting. So Basically, at that point, I guess you could say I was physically prompting her by taking her to the toilet every time I saw a sign of maybe she needs to use the restroom. So at that moment, I really needed to keep a close eye on her. Well, it took me two hours to send that email. That email had to be sent that day. It was of the utmost importance, but I had to keep breaking my attention away from that email because my daughter learning to use the toilet in my eyes, was more important than that. The question that I have and that I want to pose, and I'll conclude with this, is was the error in me sending the email while I know I'm at home alone with my daughter who's potty training, me trying to work on that email with her here with me when I know I'm going to have to break my attention away from that email and attend to her, was the error in doing that instead of just saying, I'm going to focus all my attention on her and then I will send this email later. Or did I do the right thing? Because ultimately I did send the email, although it took me two hours and the things that I needed to list in that email were very accurate. And granted, I had to keep breaking my attention. I couldn't just focus on that one thing at a time. 
But essentially, I got both things done and I did them effectively. I ponder, you know, which way would you have done it? Would you have just said, you know what? Right now I'm at home, my daughter alone, we're potty training. So after, you know, my spouse gets home, in my case, my spouse is my husband, then I'll worry about writing that email. Or would you have worked on the email incrementally like I did and then broken your focus from it when you needed to, to attend to something more urgent so that when the time comes, when your spouse got home, you could review the email because you did get a good chunk of it done and then send it, which ensures that it gets done. I don't know. You tell me, what do you think about what I just said? Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you all as always. Check out my website, www.thesocialworkjournal.com. Check out the store and please write me at thesocialworkjournal at gmail.com. Tell me what you thought about this episode. Until next time, take care and bye.